0: Hey everybody, welcome back into the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. It's time for Snap Judgments, AKA Snappy Jays. It's a Monday, Ohio State back on the practice field. And then we spoke with Ryan Day and Jim Knowles and over the course of 62 minutes, a lot of information was acquired. That's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. Start with the fact that as we mentioned last week on Snap Judgments that Cameron Babb is dealing with another uh, setback. This one is a minor variety by uh, certainly by Cameron Babb standards. Uh, looks like it's going to be about three more weeks for him at this point, uh, hoping to get him back by the end of September, back in action. They have to be careful, of course, given his injury history, uh, but Ohio State has confirmed that. The other part that we talked about a lot on the podcast daily uh, is cornerback situation. Ryan Day indicating full force. They're still not 100% certain with all those guys that they're going to be ready. Uh, that's going to be determined next Monday and Tuesday ahead of Notre Dame, but certainly seems Bill like things are trending in the right direction at cornerback as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's what we sort of talked about in the daily that if they, if they had to play tomorrow, they'd they probably have their guys I think or, or at least have those guys give it a go. I don't think it'd be like the Minnesota game where you're asking yourself, like why is that guy out there? <laughs> I, th- I think the guys we think are the starters would would play if they had a game uh, tomorrow and, and I think Jim Knowles Jim Knowles at least made it seem like those guys have been doing a little more. Because, uh, he was asked about how he feels overall about the defense. He's like, I don't have any concerns because the corners are back or, or working their way back. So so that was, I guess, the only thing kind of out there for him in terms of this defense being complete. And while they're not 100%, it sounds like they're pretty close to it.
2: And he also said they were ahead of where he thought they would be or where he's expected defenses to be in the past. And so it, I don't think they'd be ahead if the corners were behind. Um, and and you, know, you asked about Jair Brown and other guys getting some more run than maybe they expected. But As I said a few weeks ago I think it actually just helps the entirety of the defense when you actually have we know who the starters are if everyone's healthy but it's it's a benefit for these younger guys to get some reps that maybe they wouldn't otherwise get so I think maybe there's a chance to strengthen the entire unit you know which you need when you only got six guys so I mean you you better have everyone ready to go but um, I I think I was pretty encouraged by just the fact they don't seem to be particularly concerned
0: all right those are the injury updates it's hard for a defensive coordinator typically to outshine the head coach in a press conference setting. But if the defensive coordinator is asked what concerns he has about a defense two weeks out from the opener, and he says, I have no concerns, (laughs) that's not a very common response from a coach. Normally, you're going to get some version of coach speak where I'm worried about everything. Uh, There's a game. I don't sleep at night. Well, he did say that. Well, he said he didn't sleep at night, but he also twice reiterated, as Bill said, he had no concerns. That is an eye-opening response from somebody – uh, who is being paid nearly $2 million to fix this defense. Do you believe it? I don't think he would have said it twice if he didn't mean it. I don't really think. Yeah. Jim Knowles seems like a pretty straight shooter to me.
2: I think this is a guy, and this is not a knock on him at all. Let me be clear, at all. Um, this is a guy that the media room here is slightly different than Stillwater, Oklahoma, right? So slightly? There is a, a much different. Everything he says in here is going to be picked apart and analyzed in a way that just does not happen at most other programs and even they if it is they even if it stuff, there? I, I mean they probably do but even if it is it's one or two dudes in the media room doing it not 50. Yeah. so i i don't know if this is a situation where jim knowles is learning the ropes of the media here or if it's a situation where he's just saying exactly what he thinks and and not realizing that people are going to do this about it but i mean i think it's a good thing right like it, it, it's, it's a, a good thing,
1: thing. yeah I, I love like sort of the juxtaposition of what Jim Knowles is willing to say in there and what Ryan Day is willing to say in there. Because Ryan Day is not willing to say very much at all. He's become very good at saying a lot of words without giving up really any information, (laughs) uh, which is a hard skill to master. I give him credit for that. Uh, Jim Knowles, as Austin said, is much more of a straight shooter. and, And I think it's very funny when we all know Ryan Day's offense is awesome. And we tell Ryan Day that, and his response is like, "Listen, listen we're not that great. We have so many things to work on. No one's anointing us yet." And then we ask Jim Knowles, "Like, how do you feel?" He's like, top, five. <laughs> <gonna be> top <laughs> right. five. Why wouldn't we be top five? That's the expectation here. So someone uh, texted me, I think, two weeks ago when we spoke to Jim Knowles, and said, "Like, Jim Knowles needs a lesson in managing expectations." And I was like, "It might be true, but I actually think he believes this stuff." So I don't know. I, I, I kind of like it. I don't agree
2: in that. I mean, I think if you're at Ohio State, you better be hoping. That the expectation is you're going to be the best defense and best team in the country. Jerry, so. you
0: have something to say? Just come on over here. It's our Jim Knowles doppelganger.
2: <laughs> if we put a hat on, get Terry. a ball.
0: Come over, get a ball cap on. Do a little Jim Knowles impression. I'll do that.
2: Okay. The, the, the fact is, look, this is Ohio State. You better expect to be the best here. And um, I, I guess I like a coach that's willing to just put his name on it and say, "Listen, we are going to be the best." And now. I, I hope that doesn't backfire on him in 3 weeks. Was, you also
0: were suggesting that he might have been lying about it. No, I'm just saying he
2: may not know that he's not <laughs> supposed to say things like that.
0: Or maybe he is. But like the thing is, Well, Jeff Hafley was that way. I
2: hope mm-hmm. that he doesn't that it doesn't backfire on him okay. because in 3 weeks if Ohio State goes out defensively and looks uh, milk toast like they did in the last couple of years, he was Fans will be very, very <laughs> mean to him.
0: Is that what you said breakfast? <laughs> no <laughs> toast?
2: Yeah, that's, that's why we love breakfast okay. food.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, no, but the point is, like, people are going to turn on him very quickly yeah, if it doesn't yeah. live up to it. And then, so I, I guess when you're saying manage expectations or, or your f- friend who was saying that, maybe it's like build into expectations as opposed to just lay them out on the table. But I kind of like it.
0: I, I think the, the other side is that if he tried to temper the expectations for the impact that he could have and what you can't just say well this is the most talent I've ever had to work with they're paying me two million dollars a year to fix the defense and be like oh gosh tap the brakes guys <laughs> we we only need to be top 50 or top 35 to win a national championship I think that would be a mistake if he approached it that way I think that you know he was definitely honest and upfront until he realized the mistake two weeks ago when I asked him about Jordan Hancock and the corn- injuries at cornerback and He walked up to that line, realized, well, they are paying attention and there's 50 people here uh, starved for information about the Buckeyes. Maybe I have to be more careful. I think dating back to spring, having those introductory press conferences, then going through a couple weeks ago, he knows the lay of the land. I just don't think there's any benefit to him to lie about it. That's why if he doesn't take the coach speak route, that resonates that he's really confident about Mm -hmm. what he's got to work with. Uh, Bill's working on this piece about the back seven he knows there's not a lot of competition for jobs there and he wants to lean on his guys uh going to do that except with you know certain situations where he's got depth uh and then a really really skilled group of defensive linemen so if you're
1: confident i think you should act that way i agree he is he was asked again today specifically about jordan hancock and said it's above his pay grade so he, he is lear- there's definitely someone yeah. like hey jim like when it comes to that <laughs> Maybe don't say anything. So I think I think there have been maybe some conversations about what to say, what not to say. But listen, I'll, I'm always going to be in favor of a coach standing at that podium or in here at a table saying what he thinks and not trying to sugarcoat things or spin, spin things or you know say words without actually saying anything. Like I love it. So more more of it, please, from Jim Knowles. Okay. What else
0: do we learn?
2: Well, we learned that Jim Knowles thinks C.J. Stroud's pretty good at football. Hmm. So that you know, verifies add some him, the, add some him to
0: the list. Some of the stuff okay. we've
2: said before. A ton of praise for Tommy Eikenberg b- yeah. by both Ryan Day and Jim Knowles today about just what he's developing into as a leader on the field, a guy that is you know, playing at a level that I don't know that a lot of people who watched Ohio State a year ago believed he could get to. Now, again, will that matter if it doesn't show up in two weeks from now? No, not at all. But I don't think that that is, I don't think people are just blowing smoke up butts for fun. I mean, there there are other guys on the team who Jim Knowles is walking into this completely eyes wide open. He doesn't owe Tommy Eikenberg a damn thing so I think that sort of praise is telling um, for a guy like that that people have been pretty tough on uh, at times and it just speaks to what everyone else in this building has said the players that you know Tommy's teammates everyone that uh, this is a kid who the light has really really
1: come on. he's not going to come off the field right does is, is anybody either of you feel like he or steel chambers are going to come off the field doesn't, very often for this defense doesn't
0: seem like it I think that there might have been part of me that came into camp thinking if it was third and 18 that you could do something differently with that position. But I don't think a couple weeks later that that's where this
1: is heading. No, I, I think – and and that was sort of underscored for me today and there, and I, I'm going to write about it later at Rivals, like you said. But I, I, the, I, last year, both of his linebackers at Oklahoma State played more than 90% of the snaps. Maybe it's not quite 90, but I think it will be above 80. And, and, and I guess Ohio State will probably play more blowouts than Oklahoma State did last year, so that factors yeah. into it. But of the meaningful snaps – uh, I think Tommy and Steele play nearly all of them. The interest for me is it's is it safety, and he has what I think are probably six guys: Josh Proctor, Ronnie Hickman, Tanner McAllister, Court Williams, Lathan Ransom, and Burmese Boy, Cameron <laughs> Martinez. Uh, how he works all six of them into the flow of the game I think will be really interesting. I tried to ask him if it was going to be like more matchup dependent or game plan game plan dependent game plan dependent. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, and he said kind of both, which. I don't really believe, but he he said he wants to get to the level where he can play all those guys sort of no matter what. I I think a guy like Court Williams in particular is kind of a specialized player, especially if you want to play him at safety. Um, but I do think he's going to play a lot, and I think Jim Knowles kind of told us that he was going to play a lot against Notre Dame. Well, they talked about yeah, <laughs> talked about the matchup at tight end there and what you need to be able to defend that.
0: It without naming Court Williams specifically, that position he described. Seem to fit Court Williams to a to a T. So, uh, and especially if you're going to be playing about a Wisconsin team or Michigan at the end of the year, m- more run heavy, bigger dudes, you need to counteract that without giving away the overall scheme or compromising it. And I think that's probably where we will wind up seeing Court Williams maybe more than Taraja Mitchell or probably EA Neoteote or uh, Chip Trainer. Yeah, or Chip Trainer. But he wins.
2: he did mention Ronnie Hickman by name and said, you know that. And Lathan Ransom is just physical dudes that they think can to match up with Michael Mayer, the the tight end at um, Notre Dame. I mean, that's a kid that is a. If you're looking at the Notre Dame offense, here we are, you know, two weeks ahead of the game. Like, there's the one piece of that offense that you're like, oh, that's a little bit concerning mm-hmm. because the tight end's always open, and so, then when you have the best tight end in the country, that's always open. It's it's a bigger if, risk.
0: If your best weapon is your tight end,
2: tell that to Tom Brady. Come on,
1: yeah, that's true. I
2: well, mean. C- they, Come on, America. They <laughs> How tried. many Super Bowls has Tom Brady won with just the tight end? <laughs> they,
1: they tried just to cover one time? him in the Fiesta Bowl last year with Tanner McAllister. Did not go particularly well. And I think Oklahoma State's safeties in general are probably a little smaller than what Jim Knowles has here. But I'm the one name he didn't mention was Josh Proctor. I'd like to see a little bit of Josh Proctor versus Michael Mayer on mm. September 3rd. That, that, could that could be a, a physical matchup.
0: I. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Day did casually mention that Chip Traynum had spent one day of camp working at running back since the Evan Pryor injury. Uh, Three of us talked about this last week, why we didn't think that would be a full-time move. I didn't even think at this point that Ohio State would have messed with that, given how close he is to the rotation at linebacker. And given the emergence of Dallin Hayden, who is uh, squarely number three now, there's no question about that. Got a lot of high praise for his camp. Black Stripe is removed as well. Uh, I think, I guess, when I thought about it afterwards, if you're going to experiment and have an emergency uh, backup that you'd have to move, training camp is a much better time to do that rather than week two or three in the middle of the season and do it on the fly. But it was only for one day. So not. don't look for Chip training to be back on offense on a full-time basis anytime soon. But it is an interesting development for managing that depth. Uh, at running back, because it's the first yeah. time that Ryan Day has talked about Evan Pryor's uh, absence for the rest of the season.
2: That could be just a matter of remembering what it's like to get hit with the football in your hands, or having Tony Alford whack you with the bat, whatever, just to just to get yourself familiarized in an emergency situation if it's necessary. But I mean, I think Ryan Day was pretty clear. I mean, as clear as he can be, as clear as Ryan Day ever is when he's said, "Dallin Hayden is our third back." Yeah, like there is no, there was no hemming and hawing there. There was no coach speak there. That's a, a pretty cut and dried fact. So. Uh, the, you know, he, he mentioned Julian Fleming as a guy who we, yeah. we haven't really talked much about Julian Fleming and I don't know if it's because there's an expectation like with cam bad, that the injuries have slowed him down so much that, that you just don't think he's ever going to get there. But, you know, he was an iron buck guy this summer, which is, I think, you know, when you're talking about a former number one ranked wide receiver, you kind of think diva mentality, but Julian showed it over and over last year, how tough he's been just the separated shoulder in the Rose bowl is a prime example of that coming back in, popping it and put, come back in. Yep. Um, we're kind of forgetting about him. We talk so much about Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison and Mecca Buka that we forget. Uh, and I think that it's really encouraging for him to have Ryan Day single him out like that because, you know, the offense there's only one football. So it, the guys that they're talking about inside of this building are the guys that we should be probably talking about sure. outside of it.
1: Makes sense. Do you? I've been trying to think a little bit about Julian Fleming's role in the offense and what it could look like. And obviously, there's a passing game element involved, but. Think about some of the ways they tried to protect their run game last year when they got a lot of that jet suite stuff going. Not a lot, but they did it a handful of times. It was usually with Jackson, which was like great, put the ball in Jackson's hands as, <laughs> as quickly as possible and let him do it. But if you wanted to protect him a little bit, I think Julian can do some of that stuff. I feel like he's a. I don't he's not as fast as Paris Campbell, but I think he has a Paris Campbell like sort of skill set. You think? Am I off in that?
0: I th- just based on the small window we saw. It doesn't seem like that's the direction that Ohio State wants to go, or else I think we already would have seen Jackson move back outside. And I think a lot of what we saw in the Rose Bowl with moving him around the formation and uh, different shifts, different different ways to get him involved, coming out of the backfield even. I think that that stuff, when you're putting in motion and going jet sweep, I still think that they would probably wind up doing that with Jackson and yep. then some dose of a Mecca Ibuka, mm-hmm. at least if it was me drawing it up on – you know, EA Sports. That's what I would do. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that. I think what Julian's value to the running game is that he is, by far, I would say, the most physical skilled blocker that they yeah. have. Part of that's because what he had to do in high school. Part of that is his build. So I think he helps in the run game that way. But I'm not sure that I that I think he's going to get the football, touch it a lot that
2: way. And Julian is a sub four four guy. I mean, he was a state champion sprinter. This is a kid who is super fast. But it is more straight line fast. It's not necessarily that wiggle or waggle uh, mm-hmm. as we talked about last week. Yeah. But, you know, he's the guy that we watched as a freshman in, in the Big Ten Championship game. He's excellent at the outcut routes, those, you know, 10 yard slants, those, those sort of dig routes. And that's where I think he contributes. Or you just let him get out there and sprint and get over the top because as we talked about last week, this def- this offense, as good as these receivers are, it does sort of lack that true deep threat, Devin Smith, Jamison Williams element that yeah. they've had. And if Julian's healthy enough to just stretch the field vertically, then I think you put him out there and let him do that because Mecca is so good in, in short spaces, because Marvin is so big and so technical. I think that Julian has an opportunity to fit in as the deep threat, which is a, a role that all season long, all off season long, pardon me, people have really just been assigning to Jaden Ballard because he's been talked about by the other receivers. But again, Julian was limited in the spring and then he comes back in the summer and is you know, obviously full strength and, and full speed ahead. And he's he looks like his body has changed pretty. He looks different. He's not nearly as bulky as he was a year ago. And I think that's a good thing for him and the opportunity to just get out and get vertical.
0: The great thing is that we are inside two weeks where we get to start seeing some of those answers on the field in the horseshoe. The final countdown is on. Big week coming here before Ohio State wraps up all of these good-on-good good practices and gets shifted into Notre Dame mode next week. We'll be talking about it all week until then, and then the following week after that, and then all year on the podcast and at Dotting the eyes, part of the Rivals Network. That's Bill Landis. I'm Austin Ward. We'll see you tomorrow for more Snappy Jays.